Hello, welcome to another conversation at North Point. Uh, today, <laughs> is that what we're calling these? I don't know. North Point that's, conversation. That's what I'm calling it for this one, at least. Sounds <laughs> good. This will just be a because this is a conversation. This is an actual conversation. Yeah. Uh, as I'm sure you saw by the title of the video, the description of the video, we're going to be diving into a, a conversation that's happening all across the world at this point. Yeah. Um, everyone's having this conversation, and uh, this is a conversation that is crucial. I would say essential for the church to have. It would be weird yeah. for people in the church to not be involved in this conversation. Um, and while we think the Bible is clear on the conversation, it's certainly uh, a conversation that is riddled with controversy and emotions. And it feels like no matter what you say, someone somewhere will hear what you say and hear something else and yeah. take it the other way. So this is something that obviously a conversation we want to be very careful with, very thoughtful, prayerful. Um, and so uh, like you said, you, you saw in the title, we're talking about abortion. We're talking yeah. about Roe v. Wade and the value of life and all of that. And that just comes with all of the all the baggage that everybody brings to that conversation. Yeah, and and everyone, uh, um, it's not uncommon, obviously, if you're watching this, you know, yeah. for people to land in different places. Right. And, right. Um, and part of what we want to talk about in, in just a little bit is how important it is to represent our faith in Jesus in very real ways, just as we deal with people. The, the, the conversation, the, yeah. the specific topic is not more important than the person. Um, yes. It's not more important than, than our relationship with Jesus. Yeah. And so, yeah, probably a, a pretty consistent thing you'll hear us talk about throughout the video is the goal is not to argue. Right. <laughs> the goal is to present and share Jesus. That's all. Right. That's the goal of every conversation that we should always have. Right. The goal is not to argue. The goal is to <laughs> quiet down, listen to the Holy Spirit. What would the Holy Spirit say to this person that I value, that I love? Yeah. It's not to win the argument. It's a, yeah, that's why it's. It's not to win. Yeah. Yep. Um, yes. So, because uh, you can win and still lose. <laughs> Gosh, that's true. Yeah, <laughs> that's so true. Uh, so, I would encourage uh, everyone watching to listen all the way through. Um, again, this is a conversation where you can say one thing and you might hear another thing. So, I think we, we've talked about this in other sermon series that we've done. That hear what we say, not what right. we don't say. Um, encourage you to listen all the way through. We have had many conversations with people, and we always say the goal is ask as many questions as possible. Listen all the way through. Try to understand what the person is experiencing, what they're thinking, what they're saying, and don't just have the sound bite ready in your own mind to just fire off when they take a breath and stop speaking. <laughs> yeah, um, it, you know it's funny because we have a, we we've talked about kind of how we're going to have this conversation, um, but. Now we're not going there at all. Um, we're we're having a conversation, yeah. which is the way stuff really happens. I had a conversation with a, with a good friend um, this week mm. that, and I, and I just asked how how are you feeling about the Supreme Court's decision? Yeah. And this this is a person who is a committed follower of Jesus, and and they articulated their perspective, which is radically different than mine. Yeah. Um, and and it took. It took a ton of listening to what I've told myself, or what I've told you all, um, lots of times to just say, you know what, I don't need. This is not a conversation I need to win right now. Mm. That this is my friend, and I need to listen and to and to understand why they've landed at that place. Yeah. And I think I I think I have a better understanding of that. Yeah. And um and that probably was as important as anything yeah. for me 
in that conversation. Yeah. But but to but to just ask and listen, yeah, yeah is so critical. Yeah, and I think when we when everyone's having the conversation at the same time, everyone in the nation's talking about this, everyone in the world's talking about it, there's almost this pressure that feels like if I don't if I don't say my argument points now, then I'll never get a chance to cite right. them. They'll just they'll win. They'll they'll be the only ones that are speaking. And there's that pressure to just enter into the argument. And I think having that patience, <laughs> being slow to anger, slow to argue is a good thing where you can just hear the other person and realize that this isn't the last time we're going to yeah. talk about important issues like abortion and the value of life and what God's word says about these things. One more. I got one more thing. Yeah, share it. Uh, so um, I took the step and entered the world of TikTok this week. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what's that have to do with abortion? I don't know. <laughs> Except this, that as, as, as so I'm looking at TikTok and trying to, trying to get a grasp on what this, what this media tool is, and, and it has just struck me scrolling through stuff, the yeah. number of people who just feel like, oh, I've got to say my piece. I have to say my piece about yeah. this. Yep. Um, and... And you have to listen or not. You know right. you can choose to. Um, and the diff, the the um, the difficult thing about TikTok is that you can hear what they say, but it's not really going to make much difference unless right. you know the person and can have conversation. Yeah. And 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 so again, that's the context of yeah. of this conversation for us. We're not we're not trying to um, beat anybody up. We're trying to help give some perspective and some tools, yeah. and to uh, and to just encourage encourage all of us to have conversations in the context of our, uh, of our love for Jesus and love yeah. for people. Yeah, yeah, and that's a, that's a great segue into the actual the the meat of the conversation that we've yeah. kind of we've taken notes on. Uh, and so, just to give people information that again, we've had many conversations with people over the last few weeks, specifically trying to have conversations for this with experts in the area. So we've right. talked to people in law, in politics, in the medical field, and tried to take notes and gather information so that again, it's not just. Rick and Mark sharing our ignorance, being the authority, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but trying to get perspective from different people, trying to get perspective on different areas. And again, with everything that we do, you know, we can talk to a lawyer and a politician and an OB, but really the authority that we have is from scripture. Absolutely. Um, so they can provide great insight. They can provide great uh, stories and experiences and, and share that. But at the end of the day, we're not going to go with what a politician says, right. what a lawyer says, what a doctor says, what Mark says, what Rick says. It's what does God say about this? That's right. the authority yep. that has to direct what we do. Yep. So before we get to building that biblical case, I want to just, if, if you've been under the rock for the last week or so, explain what just happened. Why is everybody talking about this right now? Um, and again, if, if you've been living under a rock on Friday of last week, June 24, uh, Roe v. Wade, the, the case regarding abortion was overturned by the Supreme Court. Um, so even to explain that, we need to go further back right what is roe v wade what is this case why is this the thing that everyone's talking about right now um you know what you go ahead <laughs> i'll let you keep talking yeah yeah that's great um so this uh roe v wade uh was a legal case that was brought to the supreme court in 1973 uh and this was a case that was determined uh that determined abortion to be a constitutionally protected right under the right to privacy which is kind of in the 14th amendment and we'll get to that in a little bit yeah um so and, yeah and, and that was that was revolutionary yeah that was i was alive then <laughs> were you just born in 1973 <laughs> no i was a teenager but but it rocked the world yeah i remember uh so I, 
again, since everyone's talking about this, I was talking about uh, talking about this with my mom, and she remembers being in class, and they announced it over the loudspeakers, and it felt so weird because everyone in her class applauded, and she was like, "Is this a, is this a thing we're wow. applauding for?" But she rem- she has that like crystallized in her memory. Wow, when it was announced, yeah. Um, and it's yeah, it's kind of one of those things where like <laughs> for my generation, it's it's nine eleven. Like where were you at right. during nine eleven? You remember? I remember <laughs> being at piano lessons. Um, but I imagine yeah, for people that were alive at the time, this is one of those seminal moments where you can remember what the world was like at that time in that specific place and how revolutionary it was. Yeah, it really it really was that there was there was a sense because of the the makeup of the court at that point in time that that was the direction that 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 particular case may go. Yeah. But when it happened there there was this national sense of either celebration or grief depending upon where you where you were and and then the question of, okay, what's this mean? What's this going to look like yeah. in terms of how it's going to play everything out? And, um, and so it, it's, it's a case that has impacted everything. Um, Deb and I lived in, in Washington, D.C. for about 20 years, and always in January on the anniversary of, of, the, uh, of the case, um, you know, there's always been a march mm-hmm. um, about the, uh, to protect the unborn. Yeah. And so it, it's a big deal. Yeah. 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 And so there's a f- there's a few things that I think are important just to understand about the case because again, we can get so wrapped up in the emotional conversation that we lose right. sight of okay, what's actually happening? Why was this decision made? Um and so this is going to feel less biblical. <laughs> because yeah. it inherently is. Right. <laughs> but we have to understand if we're, again, if we're going to be critical participants in this conversation, it makes sense that we would understand what's happening, what happened then, why is it happening now, uh, yeah. and go from there. Yeah, and and let me just say, because this, there are really all kinds of applications of this. When we talk, when we read Scripture about the importance of context, to say, okay, what does this Scripture mean at this particular time to this particular group of people, what was going on, because then all of a sudden it, it comes alive. It's important for us to have some context for for Roe v. Wade in 73 um, to help to help shape those moments at that point in time and to recognize that now 50 years later um, what we have become accustomed to is not necessarily what the situation was at that point in time mm-hmm. and there there was a different context our context now is different neither one is right or wrong um, in terms of the context it's it's just important that you understand contextually how all this stuff fits together. Yeah, yeah, and that's, I think it's, so in, in the conversations we've had with people and in, in the research that we've done, what, this case was so revolutionary because before this case, it wasn't really controversial whether right. or not abortion should be legal or legal. Um, and that's one of the things that got brought up is that it was kind of odd that the Supreme Court at the time took this case because it wasn't controversial. If you if you know how the Supreme Court operates, typically they take cases that are hard to decide, where one court will decide one way, it'll get appealed and go to another court, and they decide another way, and so it kind of works its way up the chain, and the Supreme Court can look at that chain of decisions and say, hey, it doesn't really seem like we've landed in a clear place. Let's make a ruling on this so that we can clarify for everyone this is what this is what the law is. This is what the this is how the law should be interpreted. But at the time, it wasn't controversial among the states whether abortion should be illegal or legal. 
I think it was maybe, and we talked about this probably a month ago, I think there were maybe four states at the time that had any allowances for abortion. So it was very clear in the, in the, the ruling of the courts how it was going to be operated. And then this just kind of got elevated to the Supreme Court and they took the case and that was kind of odd at the time because that was just out of almost out of character for how the Supreme Court operated at the time. But but inherent or uh, I think inherent in that in it going to the Supreme Court was um what's is there a federal constitutional right. Right. right to abortion or not because at that point in time it was up to each state so right. so the the fight over abortion whether it was legal or illegal took place in state elections right um based on what was going on so as a teenager at right. that point in time i can remember um people i was in high school with girls that would get pregnant and and it was always really interesting because um at that point in time um, to have a baby and not be married was a, a really big deal. Yeah. Um, there was a lot of um, uh, there. There was a lot of, of um, condemna- condemnation that came with that. Right. Um, and but what often happened was that the gal who became pregnant would go away. Mm-hmm. And and I remember as a 13, 14 year old kid thinking, okay, mm. did they go to New York? Mm. To get an abortion, or did they go have a baby and put the baby up for adoption? Uh, right. it, it, it was a very different world because there were there were only a few places that you could go, and and part of the context, just in, in again in in terms of understanding, was people were doing abortions, yeah, but but they weren't um, they weren't necessarily safe or. Mm. Um, uh, you know, it it was happening, um, right? And and so a part of the of of the perspective in terms of making it legal was that there would be safe abortions for everyone, right? In reality, what happened when they when when the um, decision was made by the courts, abortions just grew astronomically, yeah, skyrocketed, yeah. yeah. And so that's kind of the context of the case then in 1973. Right. Obviously, we fast forward through, I think there was the, the Casey case in 1992 or 1993 right. that kind of clarified things a little more, but basically reaffirmed that, yes, this constitutional right is found within the right to privacy within the 14th Amendment. And then we fast forward to a week ago where the current Supreme Court said, no, that right to privacy does not include abortion rights. Um, so that is not a federally, nationally recognized constitutional right. That goes back to the states. And so that's kind of where we are now, where some states, I think it was within six states where it's overnight, abortion yeah. was banned. Um, there are 18 to 20 states that might have it on the ballot or might have some other things, and there's the rest of the states have basically protected it um, for now. So that's kind of where we are now, at least that's my understanding. So, yeah, so let me ask you a question. In the Constitution, Mark, mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, oh, constitutional expert, is there an express right to privacy? No. So this is where this is where it gets interesting. So this is, again, this is, I'm, I'm not trying to make this my opinion. This is in talking to different sources and doing research. It seems like this was the controversy surrounding 1973's Roe v. Wade case was the Constitution does not mention a right to privacy, period. Mentions the right to liberty. It mentions the right to life, liberty, and those, and some of those things get drawn out a little more in detail in the Bill of Rights. So you have the right. Constitution, it gets explained in the Bill of Rights, and then that's what the courts are there for, is to interpret what's in the Constitution, what's in the Bill of Rights. 
Um, and so that right to privacy is not explicitly spelled out. So this is this controversial thing where you have legal scholars on both sides that are like, ah, this is a little shaky at best in terms of how this case gets built and gets decided as a written in stone, federally protected constitutional right. And and why the Supreme Court's decisions, the things that they write are so important because right. future law is then interpreted in light of the decisions that they make right. and, the, and the rationale that they have that, that when they write their opinion and they say, this is why we decided this particular thing, mm-hmm. this is on, on any case that they hear, um, and that rationale, then future lawyers look at and say, okay, that means that the right to liberty equals the right to privacy, right. equals, in this case, free and the, the right to abortion right. For, for anyone under... Uh, a lot of different circumstances. Yeah, and that's the we were just talking about this. That's the interesting thing about this: the right to privacy that exists is, as far as I can tell, that only existed in the law about ten years before Roe v. Wade was decided. In nineteen sixty-five. That's when it came about. Again, as far as I can tell, the legal scholars can can, can write in and, and and bash me, but as far as I can tell, that's when it started to be introduced into the court system. So even at the time, it was very young. It had not really been drawn out and extrapolated. And that, again, goes to some of the surrounding criticism on both sides is that was the question lawyers had when Roe v. Wade got decided was, okay, there's this right to privacy. How far does that extend? What's the what's the parameters that we work within that? Is it a full right to privacy? Is it a reasonable right to privacy? So you have all these questions because this landmark case gets thrown out, and people are like, "There's so many questions that we yeah. have." <laughs> let me let me let me muddy the matter, perhaps or uh, maybe not. Yeah. Uh, again, con- context and for we who are followers of Jesus, right? Um, do we have a right to privacy? <laughs> uh, a right to privacy from <laughs> who or what <laughs> I guess would be the question <laughs> um, we were we were talking about this a little bit ago and said you know as a as a disciple of Jesus there is this reality that God is everywhere that he sees everything right and that culturally we think you know what I can do whatever I please mm. in my home with my doors shut, with my windows closed, and nobody has the right to, to say anything about it. Um, we don't, right. in part because as followers of Jesus, when we choose to make Jesus Lord of our life, we give up our rights. Mm. We, 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 we don't have a right to do whatever we want. Um, we only have a right to please Jesus, um, but that's the most anti-American thing you've ever said. <laughs> but it's good. That's the but again. That's the that's that, what we wrestle with: is are we citizens of America first, or are we followers correct. of Jesus first? And 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 again, that's that's why the context. This is this is not really a political conversation. Mm. It really is. Um, okay, as followers of Jesus, how do we approach this particular thing that's going on in our world, and and how do we make sense of it? And and I just want to challenge you if you're watching. This could be a really long video, you know. Um, <laughs> if if you're if you're sticking with us, to recognize as followers of Jesus, we give up those rights, and that that we we don't. I mean, we do have the right to to do whatever we want. God gives us the ability to do that, but he says, 
there are going to be consequences for that. Mm. Um, and, and that um, when we exercise those rights to live outside of his boundaries, uh, that's going to impact our relationship with him. It's going to in, impact our relationship with other people. It's going to impact our relationship in the community. It's going to impact uh, uh, every aspect of our life. And so we don't have the right to do whatever we want, whenever mm. we want, wherever we want, um, yeah. in, in the privacy of our home, own home even. Yeah. Because God's a part of every aspect of who we are and what we do. Yeah, and I think I think understanding that in the context of relationship is really important. Yeah. Like in my marriage, do I have a full right to privacy? I hope not. <laughs> I hope my wife and I are vulnerable enough to talk about, hey, I did this and I was re- it was stupid. Like I made a mistake, I messed up. I waive that right to privacy that my wife has access to things that are typically private for me that I'm not going to share with everyone else. I'm not going to share everyone else my bank account info, my right. finance stubs, my passwords, the things that are from my past that might be the most shameful. My wife gets full access to that. And so if I look at my relationship with God as a relationship, not just this the big man in the sky <laughs> wagging his finger, but a yep. relationship, I want to waive those rights to privacy because I understand that the more I am able to give up of myself and give to God, the closer that relationship comes. That's a good thing. Yeah. But again, in our context where you're talking about giving up rights, it's like, <laughs> how are you an American at all? <laughs> man, there, there are just so many things. Cause, cause I'm thinking I, I just did a wedding this past weekend and the, uh, I, I did a wedding. I performed this ceremony for a couple that got married, which was great. Yeah. Um, the, the, that whole concept of when we choose to become one flesh, mm. from a biblical standpoint, um, when we choose to unite our lives together, I willingly choose to have and hold from this day forward, for better, for worse, richer, poor, sickness and health, I, I willingly choose to to open my my entire life up to my wife to come in. Yeah. Um Deb has full access to to my online stuff, all that stuff. Yep. You know what? She doesn't exercise it. Sure. Um at least, you know, <laughs> and, unless Maybe there's a secret. reason to. Yeah. Um but 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 I don't have the right to say no, you can't see that. Yeah, unless maybe it's a Christmas present, um, uh, <laughs> you know that yeah. there there is that level of of openness um, that really does fit in this whole thing. Right. Just in terms of challenging the fundamental American mindset that we have in 2022, yeah. that ain't nobody can tell me what to do, and you know, uh, in in my own yeah. world, whatever. Yeah. So we, we've kind of shifted more into the biblical Ooh. side of things, which I, yeah. is good. This is where we yeah. will probably spend most of our time, which I think is probably a good thing. Um, but this is something I, I want you to unpack because this is a, a note that you put in. The importance of laws and how they shape the morals of the people. And this this is biblical and philosophical and practical yeah. and logistical. And there's, so there's all these things that go into it. But this is something that I think we miss a lot in conversation is surrounding the topic of abortion, it's, well, if you don't want an abortion, you just don't get one. Right. Simple as that. But really, the importance of law shaping a country, um, and so this is something I want you to unpack. Yeah, um, and and there's a, there's a whole bunch of different ways to go in terms of biblically, and I'll probably dive into a couple, but um, let me just talk in general. Laws define morality for a nation. That that's just the way it is. So so the the when when a law is enacted, 
it impacts the people that that law um, governs and says this is right and this is wrong. If you go to Romans, um, Paul, Paul talks in Romans and says the law helps us understand who God is and what's acceptable. So we didn't necessarily know it was wrong um, to worship idols until God right. said in the Ten Commandments, "Don't have any other gods before me." When God when gave when God gave the Ten Commandments, it clearly defined this is acceptable. This is not for the nation of Israel. That wasn't for the rest of the world. Hmm. It was for the nation of of, of Israel. And um, laws shape the values of a culture, and that to me is uh, it's fundamental in this conversation about abortion and and the laws that determine how we deal with issues of the value of life, because it changes our culture when we say, nah, that doesn't really matter. Nobody has the right to me. It's a completely side issue, but, uh, you know, I, I talked for a while ago about uh, when we were in the Proverbs series about, um, about gambling. Mm. Um, laws that make gambling legal um, impact our culture because we say, yeah, it's okay to do that and to accept all the stuff that's going to come along with that. Um, the laws shape the values of, of a culture. So when we have laws that say, um, well, the, the, the easiest thing that I pointed to when we talked about it before was um, in England in, I think, 1807, William Wilberforce, who was a devout Christian, um, he, he in, parla- in the English Parliament, was able to help pass a law that said slave trade was no longer legal. And that then began to impact English culture. It wasn't for another 26 years till 1833 that Wilberforce, who's now out, out of Parliament and, and literally on his deathbed, but his influence had, had permeated the Parliament of England so much so that England outlawed slavery in 1833. That's, uh, for you mathematicians, that's 32 years before the end of the Civil War um, in, in America. England understood that slavery was evil past laws and that that helped build the case for their culture to say we can't have slavery not just in England but in in all the the British kingdom um, at the end of the Civil War same same deal um, when when laws passed that said slavery is no longer legal that sh- changed the shape of the conversation and changed the shape of our nation even though it took, it's still taken a long time to recover from the stuff that happened in the past, the laws define the morality for a nation. The easiest way to tell that in our lives is uh, from, the, from the beginning of our country up until um, 2015, the vast majority of our nation said, gay marriage? Nah, no, 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 no. That's, that's not just... Uh, it's not just against the law. That's an evil that we don't want to be a part of our society. In 2015, the Supreme Court made the decision with Oberfell um, that said gay marriage is, uh, that's a right found in the right to privacy and liberty and all that yeah. stuff. They said, yeah, yeah, that's covered by the Constitution. And now in our culture, the, the um, belief that gay marriage is, uh, is good, that that's a positive thing. Um, it's it's flipped um, uh, completely around in terms of the public support for that because the laws changed. Mm-hmm. The laws make a difference in the lives of the people in terms of defining what's okay and what's not okay. Yeah, and I think, again, it, it's important to, like you brought it up, it's important to remember that in the context of the Bible that before God gave the Ten Commandments, 
They were literally worshiping an idol. Right. <laughs> they were worshiping God. <laughs> they had the golden calf there. As they were, yeah. as the Ten Commandments were being made, they just, like, that was acceptable for them. And then you have this clear law yeah. that after that, the people of Israel know, okay, we have this law. We know this is not where our society is meant to go. This is not what relationship with God looks like. Um, and, and, it's not, and it's not just um, hard and fast, uh, this thing is okay, this thing is not. Like right. if, you, if you talk about the Ten Commandments, um, the, some of the most important commandments are just real. Well, love, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength. That's the first one. Love your neighbors. That's what Jesus said. But the, the commands to honor your parents, mm. that shapes culture. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, the, the command to say don't covet, don't want what other people right. have, that shapes the the nation right. um, every bit as much as don't steal or don't lie. Right. Um, but 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 those commands right. also shape culture in terms of all the legal stuff. Yeah. If there's a fundamental um, commitment to truth and to not lying, right. That shapes the culture. Yeah. Well, I'm just thinking, like, again, this is in the context of <laughs> this conversation now of uh, Americans and rights. And can you imagine how different America would look? If we lived under the law of don't covet, oh yeah, we'd be radically different. Yeah. But it's almost like we think we have this inherent right <laughs> to right. want what our neighbor has. Yeah. That's what the American dream is. <laughs> right. Compete with your neighbor. Get the boat. Buy the picket. Get the yeah. house with the picket fence. Do all like that's what our dreams are built after. And yeah, so the law has this massive influence both in the don't do and in the what you should do. Absolutely. Um, yeah. One hundred percent. So uh, understanding that uh, how law shapes culture, does this, <laughs> this is a leading question, <laughs> does this point to the importance of where we vote, how we vote, I, oh. this, this context of, well, are we really just saying that the Supreme Court can just decide what we do, how we live our lives? Yeah, yeah. I, I think one of the things that, that um, I, I read what a, a friend wrote after the decision that just was really interesting that said um, our elections are are often as a as a Christian as a follower of Jesus are not so much about the issues as about understanding that presidents are the people who uh, who nominate people for the judiciary mm -hmm. and they and so the people that they nominate um, matter and the and our votes for our senators who confirm or um, or um, deny uh, the confirmation of judges that matters a ton and so if you go back 60 years 70 years and say the the justices that were named to the Supreme Court that were in place in 73 um, the 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 elections that allowed them to be nominated and confirmed shaped that decision because that decision was so radically different than anything that had been accepted before that. Right. Likewise, um, you know, like it or not, um, uh, the President Trump's three nominations to the Supreme Court right. um, shaped the philosophy of the court and will shape it for a long, long time. Right. Um, and and so that's the reality, and it reinforces as followers of Jesus for us to be engaged in the political process right. in, in in voting and knowing who we're voting for and knowing 
what some of the implications of that are going to be long term. Right. And we'll talk about this more later, but it especially influences local elections now. Absolutely. A lot. Um, and again, we'll get to that later. Yeah. But that is that is something to to touch on. And then you didn't know you were going to get all this stuff when you started watching. <laughs> Welcome huh? to American History 101. Yeah. At North Point. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I, I, again, keeping it biblical, I think this is this is an important thing to to kind of end this section on the Supreme Court is that our trust does not lie in the president, the Supreme Court, in senators, in governors, in mayors, in any person other than the person of Jesus. That's right. I, I yeah. Thanks. And I and I just want to reinforce that over and over and over again. It doesn't matter who's in power. In, in the U.S. It doesn't matter if we live in the U.S. Mm-hmm. or in some other country. It doesn't matter if the United States is is uh, taken over and, and goes away. Yeah. As followers of Jesus, our citizenship is not here. Mm. It's not in any national kingdom. It is, it's in heaven. And so our, um, our, the, the way that we live our consistency in our in our walk with God, in our understanding of Jesus, in how we treat people, um, that is irregardless of any of the stuff that's going on around us mm-hmm. from a legal standpoint, from a judicial standpoint, from from a governmental law kind of thing. Um, the government can't write laws that will keep us from following Jesus. Mm-hmm. If if we're if we're I'm serious about that. Countries try and do that, and what ends up happening is it causes revival. Uh, it, <laughs> right. it causes it causes the the cause the gospel to just explode, yeah. um, because governments can't government can't control that, yeah. and 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 it really is about the condition of our heart, not yeah. not the state of the nation around us. Yeah, love that. All right, let's build a case. All right, Bible style. Yeah. <laughs> um, when we're looking at rights, so again we're in the, we're in the context of America where rights are the most sacred thing yeah. that you could ever have. Do we have rights that are God-given? And this, So this becomes the argument from the, con- the uh, Constitution thumpers, <laughs> which there's... Constitution there's, thumpers. There's that, Bible there's thumpers a, yeah. and Constitution wow. thumpers. Yeah. I just made that up. Pat that, pending. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> Trademark. Buy the T-shirt. <laughs> if we're looking in the... <laughs> if we're looking in the Bible... Yeah. Does God outline for us? Here is your right to privacy. Here is your right to free speech. What are the, do we even have rights to anything in the Bible? Maybe the right to respond to Him. <laughs> yeah. Um, when when we choose to follow Jesus, we give up our rights. That mm. the the whole concept of lordship. Yeah. We make Jesus Lord of our lives mm. means that we willingly relinquish control. To him of every aspect of our life, yeah, um, of our thoughts, of our actions, of our values, of the way that we treat people, hmm. we give everything to him and say, "I'm going to live simply for you," and um, and the the greatest thing in the world about that is that's the way to truly live life, hmm. you know, yeah. to truly experience right. the life that God designed for us to have because He yeah. knows better than we do, right. Um, yeah. What's what's best? Yeah. So so in looking at this, it almost seems like so, someone I read and I, w- I wish I wrote it down. Someone I read put it really well that it's not. It reframes how we look at rights, especially yeah. in America, because really your right to do something, to live a certain way, is less about your right to do that, 
and more about, and again, this is where I wish I wrote down the source so I can make sure I'm quoting it properly, but it's more about a reasonable expectation to live in a right way. So if right. Rick and I are living in a society and I have a house, Rick has a house, Rick has a reasonable, or a reasonable expe- expectation that I would live right and not burn his house down. Yes. I have a reasonable expectation that Rick would live right and not murder me. <laughs> right. So it's less that I have the right to not be murdered, but I do have the expectation that through God's law, through God's provision and setting up of a society that, that lives towards him, Rick doesn't steal my stuff. I don't yeah. burn Rick's house down because of the value of the person and the value of what God says. Is that a, is that a yeah, fair I, way of yeah, I, I, putting it together? I, I absolutely think so. The, there is there's clearly in Scripture this idea that God ordains authority yeah. um, and puts, puts governments in place yep. to protect those who do right and punish those who do wrong. Right. Yep. Um, uh, Romans 13, yep. 1 Peter 3, 2, somewhere in there, um, the, um, to affirm those who do right. And that's because we live in community with others, and so God has ordained governments to help shape and define yep. that. Our um, our willingness to live in those—it's uh, why you know uh, in Romans, uh, Paul says, "Honor your authorities." Yeah. You know, honor yeah. the governing authorities because when we do that, it, it goes better for everybody. Mm. Um, so we are our, our right is to be a part of a community that hopefully. Yeah, uh, that the laws are being passed that are good for people, mm-hmm. that protect people, that affirm um, good behavior. Yeah. Uh, um, the the laws that exist when we drive yeah. are for our own protection and safety. Yeah, yeah. And then talk about this this context of within the context of biblical rights, which is reframed from the American yeah. understanding of rights. Talk about this this aspect or this. Um, topic of dominion over things so that's something that that comes in with at with the beginning of creation adam and eve are created and they're immediately given dominion over things which again in america is like great dominate dominate yeah (laughs) and and to a large degree maybe a better word for us is stewardship um that 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 we're entrusted even even though god gave dominion to adam and eve over um, the animals, creepy crawly things, uh, even over the plants that existed at that point. Yeah. Yep. Adam and Eve didn't own those things. Right. God allow God put them in place to be able to um, lead, administrate, do whatever, to have dominion over them, yeah. to be good stewards of what God had given. Yeah. And and we still exist with that same sense of stewardship. Everything that we have, we, we talk about it, I feel like we talk about it all the time. Everything that we have is not ours. This yeah. is not my laptop, this is my computer. Right. This is not my desk. It's not the church's stuff. God God owns it all, because I can't take it with me when I die. Yeah. Um, and, um, I, and I... I just have very little control over those things, except temporarily. Yeah. And so, um, so God allows us to live in a world and to make a difference, mm. to be stewards of what He's given us, and and to and to, in a sense, kind of have dominion over that in that way, uh, biblically. Yeah. Um, which is very different. Again, the 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 reality that God's in control of it all is very different than saying. That's mine. <laughs> you can't stuff. tell me what to do. Yeah, yeah, and I think it's so it's so fascinating to just dig back into the Bible of of the origin of where these ideas come from because really yeah. 
the call to not steal, the call to not covet, comes from that. that right. That's not my stuff to take. Right. Like I, God, God is the one who provides for me. So to go to Rick's things and take of Rick's things that God has given to Rick devalues you and it devalues God. Right. And it places myself on the throne of sovereignty to say, yeah. well, really, God should have given me this, so I'll just take it. Right. And that's bad stewardship. Right. Which is good. Right. I like that word. That's a good yeah. word. All right. So we really are going to talk about abortion now. <laughs> yeah. Yes. So again, we're, we're trying to, to ground the context and the conversation of abortion in the Bible. We're right. not wanting to, to, to go right down the party line. So right. as it were in, in terms of this conversation to, to take one side of the aisle or the other, look at what God says. So yep. when it comes to this conversation of abortion, a baby in the womb, a fetus in the womb, something's in the womb. Does the Bible speak to this issue? Rick, does the Bible say don't abort um, <laughs> or do abort? N- no. The answer to that is no. However, in Old Testament law, if a baby in the womb was killed when somebody was attacked or, or mm. injured, um, that was that the the picture of that mm. was that the or the the punishment for that was the same thing as if a if a child was killed. So there was there was a value that was placed to a baby in the womb at the same yeah. time. If if you go uh, kind of more fundamentally, there's um, when you read through scripture, um, and maybe you're familiar with these scriptures or not, Psalm 139 talks about that we're fearfully and wonderfully made, that uh, Jeremiah talks about being knit together in our mother's wombs. Um, uh, Jesus, when, when he's being carried by Mary, when, when um, he's in Mary's womb and she goes to visit Elizabeth, yeah. who's had John the Baptist, when, when she hears uh, when Elizabeth hears Mary's voice, John the Baptist jumps. Um, uh, you know, there's there's this sense of of um, did I say that right? Um, yeah, yeah. Um, jumps inside the womb. He yeah. he moves there. The, the Bible paints a picture of saying, yeah, when when the before the baby ever enters the world, yeah, the baby's alive, and that God's at work in that process. Right. Yeah, and I think this it's important to remember the. The Bible is not a science textbook, right. so it's not going to outline and say this is the exact cellular process of what happens when life begins. But like you said, there is this continual theme in the Old Testament and in the New Testament right. that when there's a baby in the womb, life is there. Right. And so I think the the question for me then becomes, okay, the Bible says that. Do we have anything in science that confirms that? And I think the continual thing that we all that scientists affirm is that the the greater our technology becomes right. the earlier we can see that this is not just this random happenstance of things colliding and uh, there happens to be life um and this was interesting this was a quote from a science textbook from 1974 so not this yeah. recent discovery this is a year after roe v wade took place yeah this is a quote that within a fraction of a second when fertilization takes place, a unique genetic code separate from the mother, separate from the father is created with information that at that point already determines sex and hereditary characteristics. So at the moment of fertilization, within a yeah. fraction of a second, this stuff, this takes place. And so we can look at that and say, okay, science is the authority, but we look at the Bible and say, no, we we know this because God speaks to this, that in in the womb, God is working things out and is forming 
life at that time, which is just so cool that yeah. my encouragement is for, for any conversation, this is well outside of abortion, but don't be afraid to look at what science says because right. we, know, we know God is the authority on it and science backs that up. Which yeah. is cool to see. Yeah, you, you know, in the conversation about abortion, the, the, um, the perspective that says, oh, it's a, it's a mass of cells, mm. uh, you know, and until the baby's born, there's not really value there. Mm. Um, the, uh, uh, there's a particular viewpoint that chooses those words because words have meanings. Right. And, um, and, it, and it takes away the personhood mm. of, of the baby that's there. But as someone who's experience to miscarriages mm. firsthand mm. Um, you, there's something that's there um, uh, is uh, it's it's tough to go there um, mm. logically to build a case for that because that's that's our response to miscarriage um, that's our response mm. But it's because we had a clear sense of the value of the life that was yeah. that was growing inside Deb. Yeah, and that's you're using an interesting word there that I want to get to in the Bible. Why do we believe that life is valuable? So life exists. Right. Why do we believe that a human life carries this intrinsic value that would cause a miscarriage to be this tragic event? Be, be, because if you go all the way back to Genesis, God said, let us make man in our own image. There's mm. that every person is born with the imprint of God on them. The, the, mm. the concept of the preciousness mm. of each person, mm. no matter where they're from, no matter what their situation is, no matter whether they're what we would say f- fully healthy or, or not fully healthy, yeah. um, whether they're full term or, or, um, you know, uh, not full term in terms of their development, right. that every baby, every person, every adult, every elderly person mm. is um, carries the thumbprint of God on them because they're made in the image of God. Yeah. And that's what gives them value. And, and, and that's true of um, even the most vile person. Right. Um, right. That they, they still were made with the image of God, which, which means that the choices that they've made have so, that they've veered so far off yeah. um, what God's intent was. Yeah, and I think it's, it's important, again, to, to bring things that we talked about earlier full circle, that that's, that was the argument for Wilberforce. Right. That this is evil because this is a person that, created right. in the image of God. Not three-fifths of the person. You devalue <laughs> yeah. that person, which means you yeah. devalue God by treating a person that way. And, and and again, if I loop back into the laws matter, yeah. it impacts culture. Mm-hmm. When when you say every person has value, yeah. that shapes the way that the world right. uh, that that shapes the way that the community happens. Yeah. And so England was dramatically different mm. Uh, late 1800s than than in the 1700s when slavery was... The U.S. is a different place now than it was when the South was um, populated by slaves. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's it's important to say and recognize here that in us saying this, this doesn't mean that because this decision was made with Roe v. Wade that now all life is valued. (laughs) Because there's certainly work to be done (laughs) in other areas outside of abortion. There, that life is not valued the way it should. Sex right. trafficking should not occur right. because life is not being valued in that way. There are examples of injustice 
all over the country, all over the world, all over our state, all over our city that take place that show that life is not being valued. And the call of a Jesus follower is to call that out and say, this life isn't being valued and it should be because they're created in the image of God. And, and to take initiative for that. So, right. so that means um, if we're serious about following Jesus, um, that, that there are implications of that in terms of how we respond right. to immigrants who come to our country, right. how we respond to people um, who, who are struggling financially, p- people who can't afford right. to feed their family. Um, the, the, we have an obligation to be involved in foster care, in adoption, in, in helping take care of babies and moms and dads and whoever needs it, because yeah. that's what we do. That's who we are as followers of Jesus. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, I, I, we've been kind of dancing around this, but this is important to remember with, this is with abortion and this is with every aspect of of people choosing to go against God and God's law is that abortion is spiritual warfare yeah. before it's the physical action. Um, and this, this goes even to what Jesus is like, Jesus and his Sermon on the Mount kind of raises the standard for every action of sin that before it becomes the action, it's actually in your heart. Right. And so it's this element of spiritual warfare. And this, this goes back to Ephesians six, where it talks about our struggle is not against flesh and blood. Our struggle is not against politicians and Supreme court justices and abortion clinics or people have a different view than we, whatever it may be. That's not the real struggle. And so again, that's where it goes back to what we said earlier. The goal is not to win the argument. Yeah. (laughs) The goal is to love the person because that person is not your enemy as described in Ephesians 6. Right. The real enemy is sin and spiritual de- yeah. demonic oppression, demonic yeah. forces. That's that's the enemy. And so to keep that as the focus, I think, is key. And that, and that person that we disagree with was also made in the image of God. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. yeah. And this is where, again, I, I wish I'd written this out because there was a pastor that posted about this issue and talked about abortion being spiritual warfare, about just putting it really succinctly that abortion is one example where Satan is trying to remove the image of God from the earth. Oh, yeah. That it's this direct forced attack that Satan recognizes the value of the image of God and says, this is an easy way where I can just lessen that in the world. Yeah. And so that, that's where the spiritual warfare takes place. So keeping that in mind, I think, is key. All right. Um, kind of staying in this, in this same realm, but shifting gears a little bit, having conversations... <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> is a thing that people are doing all the time, all over the place, all over the world. Um, doing it in person, doing it over the phone, doing it over FaceTime or Skype, and they're doing it on social media, which we all know that's the best place to have conversations. Oh yeah, <laughs> TikTok, TikTok, man. Yeah. You can do. You can have someone home, man. To quote Monty Python, TikTok is a silly place. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. <laughs> So when we're having conversations around abortion, and we're, we're intentionally framing it around the word conversation because the world yeah. wants you to have an argument. Right. The world wants you to argue for abortion, and that will happen regardless. But our focus is to have conversations. Yeah, and, and again, I'd just go back to where we were at the very beginning and saying, um, ask questions, ask questions, yeah, ask questions, um, because until you ask and really listen to the other person, you don't really have any credibility to say anything Yeah, with them. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, so in the context of these conversations, uh, I've jotted down a few things that I kind of want to bounce off you of. The, these yeah. are things that are commonly brought up. Yeah. Um, so so we've, we've kind of already talked about this, the rights of the person. And that's typically what will come up in this conversation is 
you have a right to privacy. You have a right to abortion. The woman has a right to decide what she does with her body. How, as a follower of Jesus, do we enter into that conversation and not just throw the soundbite, the political soundbite, the political response? Um, I, I, I don't typically end up in that kind of conversation, yeah. um, but um, I, I think that there's a legitimate um, question in there to say, you know, do you really have the right to do anything that you want with your body, regardless of whatever? And typically, most people will say, oh, yeah, I have the right to do anything I want as long as it doesn't injure somebody else. Hmm. Um, that, that's, uh, you know, I, right. uh, I don't have the right to drive on the left side of the road because that's going to result in a head-on collision that's going to hurt somebody else. Right. So I, I don't have that right. I don't have the right to kill somebody because that that's not fair to them. Yeah. But I can do anything I want um, as long as it doesn't hurt someone else. That then ultimately speaks to whether or not that baby that's grown inside a mama um, yeah. is a person or not. Because you right. don't, I, I would say you don't have the right to take away the life that's growing inside you. Right. Um, yeah. So. And again, if, if we're grounding that in the conversation of God has placed a value on that person right. where you are stewarding, <laughs> then it's bad stewardship. That's what it goes back to is, is this, the stewardship of the, the reasonable expectation of rights yeah. that Rick will live right. I will live right. I don't, it's not living right to go to Rick and take Rick's life. Right. That's, that's me not living right. And so the same example would be here is that if that's a person if God's forming that person in the womb, is it living right to take that away? Yeah. Um, man, Mark, there's so many things that are going through my mind right now. <laughs> and you know what? If you're watching still, um, one of the ways that, I, that you'll know that Mark is fully engaged in this conversation is that the angle of the camera has not changed for about 30 minutes. <laughs> I want to keep looking there instead of there. Um, that's okay. Fine. Oh, there we go. Um, the, um, <laughs> isn't that funny? Um, where was I? Uh, uh, living right. Don't get to take away the life of the person. Oh, goodness. And it was really good. You can tell that we're recording this live and not editing it out. <laughs> yeah. Ah, let's keep going. Uh, it'll okay. come back to me. Oh, yeah, it'll, it'll come back. Um, so uh, another thing that often comes up in this conversation um, is the the circumstances surrounding the abortion, and so that's where that's where I was going to go. Well, great, yeah. <laughs> so so th- that whole idea, I can do whatever I want. Mm. Um, th- th- this this is the preface for that. Yeah. We live in a broken world. Yeah, yep. we absolutely live in a broken world where horrible things happen to people. Yeah, where rape happens where incest happens right. where where we have the technology to to understand right. um that a child um is going to be severely um right. uh, compromised in terms of their physical being hmm. and to understand that ahead of time yeah. um I think what shapes that conversation for us, and and what's difficult is, if you're not a follower of Jesus, you don't get this. You you, right. you really don't get it. It right. is like, no, I I don't want to raise a child with handicaps, and so I'm going to abort right. it. No, I don't want to carry a child that is the product of my body being violated yeah. against a my reminder, will by somebody else. Constant reminder. Yeah. I no, I don't want to do that. Yeah. But if you're a follower of Jesus, there there 
is this sense of, no, that's a life with value mm. um, inside me, regardless of what the circumstances are. And so, um, I, again, I, you know, it's just so easy to, to contextualize things in, in terms of our own lives mm. and, and to think back. Um, uh, many of you around North Point remember five years ago, my daughter um, was pregnant and her baby had an omphalocele. Uh, her uh, part of her organs were outside of her body in the womb. Mm. Um, and, and the risk to mom, the risk to the baby, the risk that she would live any kind of normal life mm. was very real and very serious. And, um, and we just didn't know that, how that was going to happen. Yeah. And, and um, our daughter and her husband said, no, that's a life that God's given to us no matter what. Yeah. Uh, if, if that's for a day, if that's for a few days, if that, you know, it, it doesn't matter. God has given us that life and we're going to honor that life. Yeah. That's, I think, the biblical view. Yeah. Now, where it gets really dicey uh, in terms of the context of this conversation is laws matter and they shape the context of culture. And so if laws are written that say, eh, if the circumstances are X, Y, Z, the value of the life doesn't matter as much or is lessened. Mm. Um, that shapes culture. Yeah. I, I think in the in the context of, of scripture, and you know, we didn't talk about this in terms of our notes. I do think that there's a biblical case very clearly to say, if um, if the the health of the mom mm-hmm. is uh, the not the, the if if the life of the mom is at risk. In, in terms of pregnancy, I think that there's a that there's a biblical case to say, okay, how do we sort through this? I think that the the actual um, reality of that happening is is incredibly minuscule, particularly in light of the technology that we have today. Right. Um, but um, but I, um, that that's that's a part of of the conversation to say, okay. Is that and and if we cut to the chase in terms of what's going on in Michigan right now, yeah. um, if there are those kinds of situations, the life of the mom's protected right. by our laws. Yeah. It's it's not gonna it's not gonna eliminate that. And say no, moms have to die so the baby has so the baby can live. Right. That's not the case. Yeah, and that's yeah, that's that's another piece of the conversation with abortion that gets thrown around. Is well, we can't treat ectopic pregnancies. We can't treat right. this. We can't treat and that that's. To clarify, that's not the case. You're right. That in in that in that example, in that rare circumstance where the life of the mother is in danger, especially with ectopic pregnancies and things like that, that's not considered, from my understanding, even though the procedure is called abortive procedure, yeah. it's not considered. It's considered a life-saving procedure, not a life-taking procedure. Correct. Um, and so that would be the the distinction biblically of how you arrive at that, and that's not without tragedy. That's not without trauma. That's not without gut-wrenching difficult to make decisions um for the for the parents obviously because a life is still being lost right. um so again right. we go back to miscarriages that hurts because life is lost right topic pregnancies hurt because life is lost right. there's value in that um 
Yeah, so I think it's important to to as we kind of land the plane and wrap things up, yeah. talk about what's next. Where where do we go from here? The, the conversations will continue to be had. So some of it is logistical, just in terms of we we are <laughs> planted in Michigan, and so there are logistical aspects to that. And then just in general, as Jesus followers, how do we move forward? Um, so the the simple thing uh, and kind of the sad thing in Michigan is in Michigan, abortion will probably continue for right. the foreseeable future. Um, there was uh, there is a law on the books from. 1931, I think, um, that currently has a stay or a, an injunction order on it by yep. a circuit judge. We currently have a Supreme Court that has kind of said we will affirm that. Yeah. <laughs> um, the Attorney General has said they will affirm that. Basically, everyone in a position that could bring change to it has said that injunction will stay. That law will not be enforced. Um, so in Michigan, it's almost as if nothing has really changed right? Um, regarding the Roe v. Wade ruling. Um, and And frankly... Again, for perspective, that's going to be true in a lot of states. Correct. There, there will be a lot of there. There currently are six states already that have uh, that have um, eliminated all abortions. Their penalties, if you go there, there there will be more states that go that direction. There will be other states that that already had laws on the books yep. that that um, legalized abortion in those states. Yep. There will be other states that. Add to those laws. That's going to be the result of local elections again, yep. and and the people who are in place. Yep. Um, we don't need to be shook by that. Right. Uh, um, our our faith is not in the government. It's yep. not in a court. It's not in any of that stuff. It's in Jesus. Yeah. Um, but that's that's the reality of what's going to happen. Yeah. And um and where things will go. Yeah. And I think the earlier you emphasized the importance of you know your votes matter, being involved, right. understanding what's happening politically matters. And I think for me in, in in the Michigan context of things, even more so, prayer matters. Absolutely. Um. And I think that's the you know if I can if I can be vulnerable and share my own experience, you know, waking up on Friday, like I just wept because that is a prayer that I've been praying for 30 years and that I know other people have been praying for more than 30 years that God would just move and be merciful even though we don't deserve it and would save lives. And now that prayer shifts. That doesn't mean we stop praying because Roe v. Wade was overturned. That means our prayer shifts to God, would you preserve life in Michigan? Would you preserve life in Lansing and Dewey and St. John's and Langsburg and having that be the focus because votes matter? Absolutely. Who gets elected matters. Absolutely. We trust that God's sovereign in that. We trust that God is ruling in that. And so we pray because that's what we're called to do. Yeah, and, and, I, and I, would, I think I would challenge you to, um, in your prayer, to pray, God, what, what do you want me to do hmm. as a result of, of this thing that's causing so much division? Who do you, who do you want me to have conversation with? Yeah. Who do you... Who do you want me to do foster care for? Who do you want me to adopt? Who do you want me to come? What woman do you want me to come alongside? Because because she has kids and she's pregnant and she doesn't think that she can afford another child. How, how can we embrace them and come alongside them and show them Jesus? How um, what what is it that we can do to help provide for women who choose to keep their baby, but um, but the the all the odds are stacked against them. Are there things that we can do? With uh, crisis pregnancy center or whoever to help provide formula or diapers or clothing or love or community that can just come around and embrace, um, you know, a long long time ago, um, before we had kids, 
I remember having conversations, man, we can't afford to have a kid. And, and someone said to me, understand this for whatever it's worth, you will never be able to afford to have a kid. It doesn't, it doesn't matter how much money you have. You will never be able to afford to have a, to have a child, let alone six. Um, <laughs> and that's true. Um, but you know what? The body of Christ with, with, every, with every child that we had, um, there, there was a group of people that just embraced us and came alongside us mm. and, and helped us raise the kids, yeah. helped, helped show the kids Jesus, um, helped us as parents have respite care when we needed to. <laughs> um, and, and, and I would just say, man, make that your prayer, that, that North Point can be a place that, that that's true of, yeah. um, that you individually can have that same kind of role in the people in your world, somebody at work, somebody that you know, somebody that you see at, you know, McDonald's, Burger King, whatever, yeah. to just come alongside them and, and recognize that they've been um, created, the, the, the mom, the dad, the baby that's growing inside the, the mom um, with the image of God on them, yeah. they, that they have tremendous value, and that, that it's not enough for us to just philosophically say, oh, yeah, we believe in the right to life, mm. but that, that we're living that out in practical terms yeah. on a daily basis. Yeah, yeah. And I think the, my encouragement that would go right along with that is resist, continue to resist the temptation to let this be an argument that you win. Yep, a fight. And, and take the time and energy that you would spend doing that and ground yourself in God's word because God's yeah. word... God cares so deeply about the value of life yeah. in every area that it exists. He cared enough to create it. <laughs> he cares enough to sustain it. And we understand that, the value of it, the importance of it, and how to steward that through God's word. And so resist the temptation to let this be where we start just doing political talking points back and forth. Yeah. Let people hear Jesus first. Yeah, the, yeah you know, um, James says... Pure and undefiled religion is this: to visit orphans and widows in their distress. Mm. Um, the The picture of God is that the stuff that matters the most is to care the most and live that out for the most marginalized, the the people who are who are hurt the most. Mm. And so, when you read through the Old Testament and over and over again, it says that God is the Father to the fatherless. Um, that's just such a picture of. Mm how much God cares about each of us and that we need to live that out uh, on a daily basis as well. Yeah, that's great. Uh, I'm done with my notes. Uh, I'm, <laughs> is, I'm good. Is there anything else you want to leave people with? Or Hey, um, thanks, we, thanks for watching this whole thing. If you've made it all the way to the end, yeah. uh, we hope that it's been helpful and, um, and hopefully um, you hear our hearts in this because... Yeah. Um, it's not about winning an argument. It's not even about really giving tools for an argument mm. as much as to, as to just really help as there's conversation f to encourage you to just love people yeah. and, um, and, and listen and know who you are, know where you, know where you land on this and to, and to know what scripture says. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. So if you've made it this far, yeah, thanks for sticking with us. Um, hopefully, yeah, I, I would I would echo what you said. Hopefully, you hear our hearts. Hopefully, you understand the emphasis on the importance of the issue. Yeah, um, that this is an issue that God 
deeply, deeply cares about because he speaks about it in his word. And that is where we get the authority to speak on it. Right. Um, and appreciate the conversations that we've had, appreciate the insights that, that have gone into this. But ultimately, at the end of the day, if God doesn't talk about it, right, then <laughs> it doesn't matter. Yeah. But God did talk about it. Yeah, so that's that's why this matters. So thank you for tuning in. Um, be sure to, uh, as you watch the video, share the video if you think this video would be helpful to those that are around you, a helpful conversation starter for people. If you think this is a good way to, to enter into conversation, to kind of remove the emotional high level of the conversation and just yeah. enter at it from a biblical standpoint, um, whatever, you, whatever you need to do to share Jesus with people, hopefully this video can be yeah. an opportunity to do that. So thanks for tuning in. Appreciate that. We'll see you next week. Thank you.